0: Hey Real Talkers, Danielle Smith is doubling down on her defiance of Ottawa's clean energy regulations. Alberta's premier invoked the Sovereignty Act, saying she'll fight the feds in court over a mandate to get Alberta's grid to net zero by 2035. Meantime, Edmonton councillor Jennifer Rice is in the hot seat after burning through 19 staffers in two years in what insiders call a tyrannical work environment. But as you're about to hear... That's just the tip of the iceberg.
1: This is a relay project. Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
0: Real Tigers, it's great to be with you. Can't believe it's almost the end of November uh, on this 28th. Of the month, uh, the first show mm-hmm. of 2023 with our holiday decor Ooh, look in at it. place, look at as it. you can see if you're watching the show on YouTube. There's a very different vibe in the studio when the holiday decor comes out, yeah. uh, even even as we, as we uh, participate in our mellow, chilled out. Pre-show routine, John. You have yeah. now the, the the holiday tunes. It's not you know like quite have the Bing Crosby or the Nat <laughs> not King yet. Cole going yet, no. but there has been a very holiday vibe in yeah. the studio today. Despite the fact, uh, not a flake of snow outside, uh, I truly Isn't feel like I'm crazy? in the season. I appreciate your contributions it's, to vibe management.
2: It's a weird and wacky world we're living in here with the climate change, and we're finally starting to see the effects. I don't mean to laugh, but uh, yeah, I've been trying to play like the modern. I like what first, you're doing. Yeah. And then you get into the you get into the classics as we get closer. You're on to, like
0: the uh you have been doing the shopping mall Christmas tunes right totally. now. Yeah. And then later we'll get into the like, Kelly
2: Clarkson's, the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's great. stuff like that.
0: Uh, Charles Adler's gonna join us in, in just a bit, in in less than a minute. We have a ton to talk about Alberta's Premier invoking the Sovereignty Act on Monday, says that they're prepared uh to go to court, basically to go to war with Ottawa over the electricity regulations. We've talked about this a lot. We've talked about it with Premier Smith. We've talked about it with Alberta's Environment Minister, Rebecca Schultz. And, of course, we've spoken about it with the Federal Environment Minister, Stephen Gilbo. He's the one that says he wants to see Alberta go net zero on its grid by 2035. And Alberta's message back is basically, hell no, Alberta's doubling down. Big news, and we're going to get into the significance of that, the ramifications of this, not just in Alberta, but across the country. Premier Smith says she's been talking to Premier Mo about whether or not they're prepared to go to jail uh, we have an email from the federal environment minister's office getting ahead of this episode saying nobody's going to jail. This is ridiculous. But is it? Is this political saber rattling? Obviously. Who's going to come out on top on this one, especially considering recent decisions by Canada's highest court, the Supreme Court? A little closer to home, a story we're going to pay attention to. There's been rumblings for a while that Edmonton City Councilor Jennifer Rice, quite frankly, is a bit of a nightmare. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. You don't have to live in Edmonton to be interested in this story. The details that are out per reporting by the Edmonton Journal are unbelievable. The Edmonton municipal election held just a couple of years ago in October of 2021. This councilor has blown through 19 staffers in two years. Nineteen staffers staffers in two years. There's accusations that she runs a tyrannical type work environment that she berates her staff, including pitting them against one another. But that's not it. I mean, I understand the journal is reporting some details, but not all of the details that are making their way around the city. And this is just the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg. If you think the story is bad now, just wait. I'm going to give you a few tidbits coming up in this episode. Plus federal polling shows that the liberals aren't just losing to the conservatives they're losing to the NDP as well they're on pace to lose more than a hundred seats if there was an election held today but there's not an election held today so what should we read into all of this we'll get into it with Charles Adler in just a quick second first I want to send a pretty clear message to anybody that's watching or listening to this that's absolutely sick of their job you're waking up in the morning you're grumbling it just feels like you didn't get any sleep because you find no joy or fulfillment in your morning routine because you don't want to go into the office nothing against the people there maybe but you'd rather be your own boss you'd rather have an opportunity to have unlimited earning potential set your own hours and and help people. Well, here's your chance to launch a rewarding career in real estate with Rello's affordable online courses. These courses make it easy to pass your exam and get your real estate license so you can do exactly that. Run your own business, set your own hours, and be your own boss. You'll be helping people every single day as they buy or sell their homes. And here's the best part. Rello's committed to your success. They have live instructors who host online exam prep sessions every Saturday, plus they have a ton of resources to help you launch your real estate business well after you've passed the exam, well after you've gotten your license. And there's an even better angle to this. Because you're a Real Talker, there's a special offer. You can save 20%, like Real Talker Graham just did. We loved his email. 20% off any Rello course by using the code REALTALK. That's all one word, Talk. at Rello, R-E-L-O, that's ca.
3: We developed this legislation to shield the province from federal intrusions, and we're using it now because the consequences of this particular overreach would be so severe. Alberta will bear the largest share of the expenses required to meet these absurd targets, and consumers and businesses will see their bills soar. If the federal government has its way, many people will be left without... Electricity that they can pay for on a power grid that will fall short or even fail in a typical Alberta winter or summer. We refuse to go along with this plan.
0: That was Alberta Premier Danielle Smith on Monday invoking the Sovereignty Act, saying that Alberta will not comply with Ottawa's demand that Alberta get to a net zero electricity grid by 2035, even going so far as to promise a crown corporation. Uh, to become Alberta's power generator of last resort. It's raising more than a few eyebrows. I've been looking forward to checking in with the titan of talk, Charles Adler, per our tradition, the first episode of every week. What did you make of the the big news conference yesterday? There's a a few angles we got to hit this from.
4: Well, what I make of it is the guy to the left of her, He's a basketball player. Has to be. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. He's at least ten feet tall. He's that's, taller than a pine tree. Who that's, is that guy? That's Minister Newdorf. Uh and uh yeah, he's uh he's well over six feet and uh, and then of course you have Minister Schultz standing next to him who's who's of uh, a significant uh political skill but diminutive stature. How's that? And so diminutive, the, I like that. <laughs> yeah, the, so so the two of them standing side by side, it does look like Mugsy uh, Muggsy Bogues and Manute Bull for sure. Yeah.
4: So uh, the Danielle Smith thing, I mean, every day uh, she's picking a fight. And that seems to me what they're about. Uh, they're more of a, a street gang than they are a provincial government. Uh, might be difficult for you to say that. Not difficult for me to say that. Um, Why would it be to difficult about... for
0: me to say that?
4: Well, because you, you still want to have access to her. and You want to interview her from time to time. And, she's never cared. If you call her a gang leader, she might not want to come in.
0: Well, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't right. know. So I think she's she's, behaving, she's like behaving
4: like a gang leader. I mean, she used every, every single thing she talks about is, is an opportunity or she turns into an opportunity for a fight. And I get it that that works for her base and whatever, but, but at some point a government has to be uh, stable. And at some point a, a government has to be orderly and purposeful and, and, and not everything that you do uh, should end up before a judge Now, do I know enough about the subject to be able to tell you that she can manage this without the Sovereignty Act? No, I do not. But I know people who are a lot smarter than me on on these subjects who believe that Danielle Smith can achieve what she needs to achieve on, on electricity without invoking a Sovereignty Act.
0: Yeah, and she spoke to that yesterday. We'll we'll play some clips. We've pulled a few from her media availability yesterday and some some great questions from veteran reporters there uh, wondering why she's invoking the Sovereignty Act because it seems like... Basically, the, the, the key priorities are the top promises that she's making to Albertans. Their, their game plan, if you want to call it, that doesn't require the Sovereignty Act. But, of course, invoking the Sovereignty Act draws a lot more attention to this. Right. And in politics, a lot of times, attention is momentum and momentum is power, right? Yeah.
4: The only, the only problem with all of that is, is that if it becomes obvious to everybody in the room, the room being Alberta, and the room being Canada, if it becomes obvious to everyone in those two big rooms that you're after attention more than you are direction, more than you are outcomes, if attention matters to you more than doing business and getting outcomes, then people start to think that you're addicted to attention. And that's a major distraction for people. If you want people to take you seriously, yes, you've got to get their attention from time to time. But if you're working hard at getting their attention and dominating their attention every single day, that's too much work for a lot of people. And they start to question your character. And I would say that this ties into the rice story because this ties into something called insecurity. Electing someone who's massively insecure, working for someone who's massively insecure, being married to someone who's massively insecure, that's a lot of work.
0: You don't think Danielle Smith's insecure, though. That's not what you're saying, yeah, I is, do. is it? Really? I, do. I, a
4: very, I, I have never met anyone who craves attention all the time who isn't insecure. And I try not to get distracted by the fact that the person has obvious qualities. Technically, she's smart. Technically, uh, she's aesthetically very, very charming. And I don't. I'm not just talking about her looks. I, You know, I've, been, I've spent enough time with her in person. She can be very, very charming. So she's got a lot of gifts. So she has no reason, objectively speaking, to be insecure. But for her to crave this kind of attention means she must be.
0: I, You know what I think it is? I don't think it has anything to do with insecurity. I think it has to do with blood in the water. I think that the premier, and I think that other premiers, probably Scott Moe as well, and others... Uh, believe that they have the federal government with its back against the wall and not just in polling and public opinion because that's irrelevant in stuff Mm -hmm. like this. I think that the premier... Why don't we load up that that second clip, Johnny? The premier has seen uh, and her staff has seen the Supreme Court rule in the province's favor on a couple of things. And you and I can get into this. I don't know that the rulings are, are necessarily great for Canada or great for the planet. They're great in the sense that the court is applying the law and upholding the spirit and the statute of the law. But, I mean, if we're going to get into the plastics ban, I don't think it's a huge win that everybody thinks that all of a sudden this is great, we don't have to address the plastics problem anymore. Maybe you and I can go down that rabbit hole in just a second. (laughs) But I think that the premier has seen, as has everybody else, that this federal government's had two pretty important initiatives, both of them environmentally related, struck down. By the court, and I think that she thinks that now is the good time to pick a fight. Let's get back to this right. news conference yesterday, Chuck, then we'll get you to to comment on it. here's Here's more of what Daniel Smith had to say.
3: We're sending a message to the market that this is a reluctant entry. I, I wouldn't characterize it as a nationalizing the industry. Alberta Treasury branches, plays within the financial services sector, but they certainly do not monopolize it. There are a multitude of other credit unions and banks that people can participate in, so being a participant in the market is very similar to what EPCOR and NMAX already do. EPCOR is a wholly owned um, entity of the City of Edmonton. NMAX is a wholly owned entity of the City of Calgary. Um, Should we decide to move forward, this would be a wholly owned entity of the province and it would operate in the market um, where it is needed as a generator of last resort, not first resort. It's a generator of last resort.
0: So that's uh, pretty big news yesterday, Charles, the potential creation. And and I think there's probably more than just potential here of an Alberta crown corporation that would give the province what the premier describes as better energy security against federal regulation. She says that that with private industry and she's welcoming the investment, there's not enough natural gas projects coming on screen uh, on stream. So she says that the the province will back one here, which is kind of interesting considering her, her libertarian roots, establishing crown corporations. If Rachel Notley would have suggested that, you know what the feedback would have been like. I think we've got you muted, Chuck, all of a sudden. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there um, you are. You're back. Okay, all right. Um, it, it's the the small
4: C conservative blood that runs throughout my veins and my, my arteries, uh, including the widow maker, like it's just everywhere. The small C conservative in me cannot take seriously the idea of a conservative government creating a new crown corporation and then selling it uh, with the proposition that this is the best possible thing for private industry. There's something about that that makes no sense at all. Not even close.
0: Noob is it's watching silly. us uh, in the live chat on YouTube. Says, I'm not sure about invoking the Sovereignty Act, but I do agree that some of these 2035 targets are not reachable nor reasonable. Uh, we do not and will not have enough infrastructure in place to support it. Listen, this, this comes down to kind of cold, hard facts. If Alberta is expected to have a net zero grid by 2035, and that means that uh, the province isn't uh, able to, to to hit that base load. What is it, twelve thousand megawatts? I think they said, uh, based on current population numbers. So if it's mm-hmm. minus thirty or plus thirty, you run risks, and and we'll we'll get to the premier's words on this of brownouts or blackouts. These are the types of things that get people's attention, right? When folks' power is going out at minus thirty, that's going to of course, people's of course. Attention. But you know,
4: you 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 run you run the system the way you need to, and if you don't hit the targets, you don't hit the targets. I mean, how many targets has Canada hit? with all its commitments at at Kyoto, Paris, and elsewhere. Seriously, I mean, zero. So this idea that Alberta will be in a situation where it won't hit the federal targets, the federal government doesn't hit its own targets, Alberta won't hit the targets, so what? I mean, I I realize some people go, oh, no, no, there will be these massive consequences because the Canadian government will come down on Alberta like a, a ton of bricks. No, they won't, because the court won't support that.
0: Uh, I want to read from a, a statement that we received uh, from a spokesperson to Minister Guibo, the federal environment minister, right. says uh, the government of Alberta has never brought up a constitutional veto at the negotiating table. Uh, building a clean electricity grid is a massive economic opportunity for Alberta, the basis of a sustainable future. Our government, the federal government, is ready to continue making substantial investments in Alberta's electricity infrastructure with a cooperative partner, and our regulations are designed with many flexibilities to ensure they're realistic and accommodate Alberta's needs. So that's the position on the feds. I mean, we'll see what the response to this looks like. Premier's take on it yesterday is that if this ends up in court, we'll go to court. And well, I think thing, that everybody understands is, what that a, means. This is going to be tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Well,
4: that, that that's another problem I have with all this court stuff, everything going to court. I mean, can, can Alberta afford to have every one of these pissing contests go to court? But beyond that, you know, listen listen to the, the, the numbers, 2035. When you look at the polls, it's difficult to see them being there in 2025, not to mention 2035. You're talking about the federal government. Yeah. Where will Gibo be in, in 2035? I don't know. But right now, there's a good chance that he won't be around in 2025. So I just it's difficult for me to get overly excited by targets that are not likely to be met, regardless of what kind of government we have in Alberta and enforced by a government that won't be there. In twenty thirty-five, because they'll be lucky, at this point, really lucky to be there in twenty twenty-five. So I just think that we can get ourselves into a, a lot of lather, uh, and, and and lather can be can be interesting for conversation. But there there's a lot about this that doesn't feel realistic. And I know this may sound crazy to you, but the Edmonton Counselor story to me is a much more significant story than this one, because the Edmonton Counselor story really relates to all of us and how we live our lives and the mistakes that we've made in working for bullies. It's the worst mistake we could ever make is to associate with and especially work for, in other words, have a bully having power over you because even though you can quit in six weeks or six months or be fired or whatever, the impact on you lasts for a long time. There's no way that I can say that it lasts for a, a minimum of five years or minimum of 10 years, but I can tell you, Ryan, that both of us who've had experiences working for bullies and both of us who um, know many other people who have know that the the chip that forms on our shoulder is very hard to extricate.
0: So, I mean, here's the, here's the deal Uh, for people that aren't familiar with the story, Edmonton counselor, Jennifer Rice, basically, and I'm going to speak candidly and frankly today, uh, basically politically a nobody uh, up until a couple of years ago, nobody knew who she was. She had very little uh, politically related experience her team ran a, a strong campaign. There there was an opportunity uh, to kind of come up the middle uh, in that riding, and we won't get into the details, but ba- basically she tapped into certain ethnic communities, in particular uh, the Chinese Christian community, to win that riding. And uh, ever since, and Charles, we get a lot of, you know, we, we, we refer to them as the brown envelopes. We get a lot of tips. We get a, we get a lot of notes. We get a lot of people, you know, when, when you see certain, uh, folks, I'm not going to get any further in the descriptors, uh, but but you got time for a call. These are always the interesting ones because they're not going to put anything on text. They're not going to send you an email. They want to, have you got time for a call? And we've been hearing about this counselor for quite some time. Uh, the story breaking uh, earlier this week, and, and credit to, to Edmonton Journal reporters, Lauren Boothby and, and Keith, Keith Drain, down at Edmonton City Hall. Basically, here are the numbers. I mean, the tail of the tape out of the gates. Can you imagine blowing through 19 staffers in two years? Uh, You can can look up, and the information is readily available online. To give you an idea, Charles, most Edmonton City Councilors uh, since the election on october 18th of 2021 have, have gone have gone through or maintain a staff of two or three some of them four uh, 19 is unprecedented uh, the counselor is being accused of berating her staff of, of pitting them against one another of re- refusing to allow them to to communicate with staffers in other counselors offices she was I guess in a way uh, approached for comment. Yesterday and this video, I mean, for the folks listening on the podcast as well, I mean, what she doesn't say is what's most significant. Uh, But these are reporters, this video courtesy of the Edmonton Journal, uh, reporters catching up with the counselor. Once these allegations have have gone public and and again, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Bombs are going to drop here. Um, And I'm going to tell you what I've been hearing in just a quick second. But this is Jennifer Rice, uh, two reporters uh, basically, with nothing to say, just a short time ago. We would like to
1: talk to you. I, just to finish my project, I really want to review the article first. Okay, but you can't even respond to the fact that there are allegations of a hostile work environment. I would not be able to discuss any confidential for We're not asking
0: for that. Though. So she's walking away, she's walking up the stairs. After I review the articles, because
1: right now my focus is on the budget. Thank you, everyone. My focus is on the budget, that's his most important i'm
4: working on that to work hmm. you can't
0: do the same you can't do two things at once uh, charles the visuals on this they're just very serious allegations right? i mean uh, she's she's standing at the top oh, of the stairs she's sort of <laughs> trying to not enough distance. say i don't
4: know why she's so close yeah i don't know why she allows herself to be so close to people asking her questions i don't know why anyone would want to i guess she's just not not self-aware um But she's convicting herself because visuals are killers. And so she's convicting herself of someone who has a people problem.
0: Yeah, this is like basically, and and those reporters, I think it was Lauren Boothby there. That was Sean Amato there. Uh, I'm sure Keith Ryan was there. Uh, It was tough to tell who is. You saw, by the way, I don't know if you saw that. That that woman peel off right at the beginning. That's her fellow council colleague Karen Principe, right. who wanted. And they don't that. want to be anywhere. They don't anywhere want. They don't want to be anywhere near any of Well, that. Nobody does. Nobody, nobody does. wants to I be mean, anywhere I, I near can it.
4: I Guarantee that no one who's ever worked for her wants to be anywhere around her. I mean, like I say, she the, the visuals are are convincing and, and and convicting, and she's kind of convicting herself. But it, the idea that she needs. How long does it take to review that piece? Oh, three minutes.
0: Well, I don't think you minutes. need to review a piece uh, if you, no, you just, can, just say, you can you, say you can say, "Yeah, I've not reviewed the article." And first of all, where's your no. staff? Her staff's not helping her out on this because her staff has has been the number one victim in all this. Her staff is probably saying, "You can hang on this one. You can you can flounder on your own."
4: She's trying to create the impression that it's some big lengthy, uh, you know, ten thousand word piece. It's an, an affidavit, yeah. To, to read, I mean, you can you can read this on the can uh just doing number one okay this is this sorry I, I don't mean to be overly overly pedestrian but that's, that's no that's i understand you're that's saying what it's what not am.
0: lengthy enough that you need okay. to wait for a number two you it's can just, you can <laughs> scan it during a number one just, we get it. Num, yeah, we get number
4: it. number one and number one and you're done okay i mean that's how easy it is that's why <laughs> clearly she doesn't have any staff spinning for her i mean uh, because because that's just i mean i'm sorry that that the, the, the whole thing
0: that you just ran
4: because i after having reviewed the piece myself just before um, coming into the, the i, I the don't want to know the
0: circumstances of when yeah, you were reviewing I, the piece i, you know? I, I it,
2: no is it, it was, a number it was, 1 or a number 2 charles it John, was number 1 okay? John. it was number
4: 1 all right uh, just uh it just it's just so as i say um awful and hideous and i'm, I'm putting myself in the position of someone working for her because after all our number one job yes we can be communicators we can be all kinds of wonderful things that we think we are that that's that's fine uh, number one as human beings we have to be empathetic so i'm trying to stay empathetic with someone who's working for her i can't imagine lasting even an hour working with that person okay not even an hour so i can't even imagine how painful it has been for some people who have maybe worked for her for three months or six months, but the idea that someone with no people skills at all and no people personality, the idea that someone is going through staff the way number two
0: goes through a goose very, very quickly. um, It's not surprising. So the the story is about to get a lot wilder and, uh, and there are, there are certain things that are almost impossible to defend Uh, One of them would be burning through 19 staffers in two years, uh, especially compared to the numbers of her fellow council colleagues, two, three, four staffers at a time. But we have very good reason to believe that some of the reasons that these staffers have left really have nothing to do with being yelled at or being bullied. The story gets even worse there have been rumblings, uh, some of the worst kept secrets around City Hall that Councillor Rice has told staffers who were members of the LGBTQ community to conceal their sexuality, to not be public about the fact that they're gay. Some have gone so far as to suggest that count, that uh, council staffers, that Councillor Rice's staffers have, have either been threatened with being fired or have quit in relation to how they were treated based on their sexual orientation and there are also allegations swirling around city hall and we're going to get to what Mayor Amarjeet Sohi had to say about this in just a second about, about speaking to uh, the ethics you know they want to launch an investigation here they want to see as, as a mayor would as the leader of any council or any government would uh, to see what what uh, the appropriate channels are uh, to treat this with the the seriousness that it deserves to be treated but there are rumblings around City Hall that this councilor's had her vote up for grabs. And I'm not talking about convince me that this is the right way to vote and I'll vote this way. I'm talking about, yeah, I'll vote that way if you make a donation to my war chest. I mean, these are really, really bad allegations that I know that journalists down at City Hall are working on as they want to blow the doors off this story. But this is about to get way worse. Here's what Edmonton's Mayor Amarjeet Sohi has to say.
5: I am deeply concerned and, and troubled uh, by these very serious allegations uh, being uh, brought against uh, uh, Councilor Rice. Uh, uh, everyone working for the city including uh, mayor's office, councilors' office uh, deserve and have the right to have a safe work environment. Uh, uh, there's a mechanism available for uh, Employees of the city and employees of mayor's office and counselor's office to uh, lodge a complaint to integrity commissioner's office uh, when they feel that their rights are not being respected or they feel of uh, being uh, being uh, or, uh, uh, feel they're being abused and uh, and, and ill-treated. Right. So uh, I'm going to uh, 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 reach out to counselor Rice and sit down with her, as well as reach out to uh, integrity commissioner's office to find what is the uh, best way forward to. So the
0: counselor's caught on her heels here, obviously doesn't have a plan. I don't think saw this coming, which is unbelievable because I know that she's been approached for comment by different journalists several times. But if there's one thing that we know from the story down in Calgary, uh, embattled counselor Sean Chu uh, the disgraced former police officer uh, who basically lost his job in law enforcement for an inappropriate sexual relationship with a minor. Mayors can't just kick counselors out. You can't just remove them from office. And quite frankly, while Councilor Rice may not get reelected, she doesn't have to leave. I mean, this could be bad news for her constituents. It could be bad news for an Edmonton City Council that's already facing heavy criticism for not only its dynamic, but its lack of cohesiveness and its lack of performance.
4: Let me, let me just take this to something a little broader uh, called a democracy. It's just incredible to me that we think of ourselves as an educated people and we think of uh, ourselves as running an educated democracy, whether it's a city, a province, a country, it doesn't matter. It's just amazing to me how little we know in terms of what's most important about the human beings we vote for. It's not their party affiliations. It's not their religion. It's not the color of their skin and all of the other boxes that you can check off, straight, LGBT, whatever. I mean, none of that is as important as character. I'm talking about things like honesty, empathy, openness, tolerance, all the things that we claim to value, our values. We don't know a damn thing about the values of... 90% of the people we vote for, my guess is if the constituents in her particular ward had any idea that she was anything of what we now know she is, she wouldn't have been voted in. So do we really inform ourselves before we vote? I don't think so.
0: Now, let me ask you this. And some folks may suggest that this is a leap too far. And I'm not indicating support for political parties at the municipal level. But you know that there's a growing momentum in Alberta. And I'm not saying en masse. And I'm not saying that hundreds of thousands of people or millions are calling for it. But there are groups being formed uh, in different cities, including Edmonton. One of them officially kind of sort of launched last week called TAP YAG. And uh, they're going to be forming a party Charles, right now they say, well, we're not breaking the law. We're not forming a party right now. We're not doing anything but like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes, they obviously are. And they'll have candidates ready to roll under a party banner next municipal election. And the the belief was that the province wasn't going to do this because the province would have to change the law to allow this until it became apparent and evident just a few days ago that the province might actually move fast on this in this fall session. Do you think that with political parties involved at the municipal level, people would at least know a little bit more about who they're voting for based on the party's platforms. Because it's a bit of a free-for-all at the municipal level right now. Yeah,
4: I I have no problem with the idea of, uh, you know, parties uh, being a a bulwark against this kind of thing. Um, Because in this case, she's only embarrassing herself. If she was a member of a party, let's call it the Jesperson party. If she was a member of the Jesperson Party, Ryan Jesperson would do what's necessary to remove her. But in the case of what we have right now, who can possibly remove her? Even the person who's the mayor, and the mayor is always perceived to be a a real strong person. The mayor is just one vote. The mayor is a relatively powerless figure in so many situations, including this one. So uh, does, does, does party status... Uh, Does voting for a party give us some protection against this kind of thing? Of course it does, because parties don't want to be embarrassed. And if a party is embarrassed, it affects all of their wards. It affects all their seats. But in this case, no. Uh, I think that uh, this system is a throwback uh, to the old Canada, where everybody in every town knew everybody else. And if someone was a real problem case a real head case, if you will, we found out about it. But we're living in a great big city right now, in this case, Edmonton, but it could be any of our cities. It could be the Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, any of them, all of them have these kinds of problems. Not all of it uh, can be uh, dealt with effectively by having a party system, but a party system does impose a kind of discipline that we don't have here. If you don't mind me putting it this way, Right now, it's the wild west.
0: Yeah, I mean, Air Mitch on the live chat says municipal parties would equal a take back Alberta or a UCP takeover, uh, which could very well be the case. I would say that that most people that I've spoken with that you know that I would say that are worth their salt in politics are are adamantly opposed to the idea of political parties at the municipal level. They hate the idea, and I've, and I've spoken to many elected officials. I mean, we have a, a roundtable coming up in just a short while with the Alberta Municipalities under their new president, Mayor Tyler Ganym out of Wetaskiwin, and we'll talk about that. We'll get into that, um, and we welcome your emails, real RealTalkers, uh, to talk at RyanJesperson.com, but I understand the reasons why people don't want political parties at the municipal level, because it wouldn't be like the Jesperson party. It would be like the UCP, the NDP, oh, yeah. you'd have these, you know, you'd have a green candidate, you'd, you know, God bless them. But you'd, you'd, have, have, you'd the- have a
4: bigger turnout, Ryan. Municipal elections draw flies. Yeah. You know, I mean, I you, mean that's you know true. this from, from the the work that you do. A relatively small amount of people are highly committed to, to local politics, but you'd have a much larger group committed to local politics, not to mention the fact that at the local level, it would be basically a, a farm team uh, for people who want to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. So you'd have that. You'd probably this is just a fact you'd attract more talented people and 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 if you and if you had a situation where yeah you take back alberta was uh, was getting stronger and take back alberta was uh, getting stronger at local politics you'd give a lot of incentive to other groups that are anything but take back alberta to form their own parties to oppose them and guess what if they were opposing them at the local level and effective at the local level those same parties would become more effective At the federal level, just think of what happened in the most recent election. If the NDP, whether they had the majority of seats or not on city council, if you had a party system in Calgary, don't you think the NDP would have had a bigger toehold politically in the city of Calgary, everywhere, in every quadrant of Calgary? And don't you think they would have been more in touch with Calgarians' values and possibly not made that ridiculous mistake they made in the campaign? about corporate tax hikes.
0: Mm. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I, I never take for granted. I know you're all over the, you know, you're, you're in Manitoba, you're in BC, but I know you pay attention to Alberta politics and developments. Did you see uh, what the provincial government's doing about photo radar on ring roads? Did you see this? This is, this is a really big yeah. deal. Um, and, and, and part of me loves it, uh, but I'll acknowledge it's it's the it's the less mature part of me. It's it is because well, it I, less and mature I part of you because, you,
4: because you, you're driving in an area. Well, I'll be honest.
0: World. Like, I, I get a lot of, like, Johnny was watching me pay my tickets the other day. And uh, yeah. I, I set aside an hour, one afternoon. An hour? You were, <laughs> I paid three photo radar tickets, three parking tickets. I'm not proud of it. Um, and and by the way, none of the photo radar tickets. The one anyway. Let me. Can I just get this off my chest? Yeah, there. I'm not. I mean, police officers. Your would, chest, baby. Yeah, it's your you chest know, and if, it's your Like show. let's say it's a, it's a your party. <laughs> yeah, so it's a hundred kilometers an hour, as far as I know. Unless it's 110 in some spots, but I think it's 100 kilometers right. an hour on, yeah. on on the ring road down in Calgary. Uh, They've done a beautiful job with that, and and then in the Anthony Henday in Edmonton, and I'm getting tickets for going like 109. Like, 111. Like, there's no police officer that's pulling anybody over that's going 109 in a 100. So I digress. But the point is, the point is, I've paid the tickets, and I understand. Someone's going to write in a live chat. Let me get ahead of you now. Someone will say, here's an idea. Just don't speed. And you're right. You're right. And this is kind of a voluntary tax. And it's one of the few levers that municipalities have to generate revenue. They can either double. They can, they can ramp up their photo radar locations. They can increased property taxes, which is obviously very unpopular. And that's about it. And the province is downloading costs on a lot of things, like a ton of things, including infrastructure, policing, and others. And so municipalities are are in a really tough spot. And this could mean for cities like Calgary and Edmonton, shortfalls of $30, $40, 50000000 $30, $40, 50000000 million, dollars, which is a huge deal. The province knows that there's political hay to make on this, Chuck, as said Minister Devin Drieschen. And here's the buzzword. This is the one that resonates with the base. He says, the war on cars is over. And so they say no more photo radar on the ring roads. I'm not sure if you saw that or not, but that's a, a yeah, story. No, I, that-
4: I saw it, and I always ask myself the question. I mean, the, the ring roads and the great roads, it's necessary to have a ring road. I, you avoid a lot of problems. I, I get all of that. But it's still in the city. And the question becomes, do you need to do more than 100 clicks in a city? Yes. It's a city. It's not the Indy 500. I get it. I get it. There's a part of you because most of us live inside our our emotions. And especially those of us, and I have to say this, okay, um, most of us guys, okay, when we're in our cars, we're fantasizing that we own the road. That's just, that, that. that's the fantasy we all have. And if we own the freaking road, we're going to drive as fast as we can, as long as we can get away with it. Along comes Mr. Photo Radar, that big bad sheriff, Mr. Photo Radar, who's more disciplined than a cop would be. And they're giving us a ticket for doing 109. How could I call myself a free person when I'm paying a ticket just to do 109? I know
0: it's in the city. But it's the ring road. The numbers have been out of control. You know, it was divulged that the city of Edmonton has like 1,200 photo radar locations. Other cities have like 40. Like, it's, it's, it is out of control and it is a cash cow. And, and you of know, I, it is. I always, for, it is. for wisdom, I, I look to the live chat. Justin says these photo radar tickets are a freaking joke. Lauren says you should keep the cash cows in place, but raise the tolerance I don't mind that I don't mind that listen if I get
4: latitudes make, it, yeah. make it a well if I get 10
0: if I get a photo radar ticket in a playground yeah. zone speed limit 30 and I'm going 55 yeah. throw the book yeah. at me. Throw the, I mean that's I'm endangering lives but if I'm going yeah. 109 in 100 I mean that's just that's just it's just grinding people and then you lose public favor but I've had this conversation with current and former mayors I remember former Edmonton mayor Don Iveson looking at me I was we were sitting in a radio studio in my previous job and as I was talking as I was whipping up the audience before hitting him with the fastball <laughs> he, he started playing his violin he started playing his (laughs) sad violin as i was griping into the microphone so there's not a lot of sympathy the point is it's a
4: testosterone issue it's not a road issue it's not a government issue it's not a political issue you've got the, the, the the testosterone is indy 500 level okay i mean it's nascar it's indy 500 it's whatever whatever a guy's fantasy is when he's in his hot car on a road where there's not much traffic at that point I mean, you know, the idea, for instance, of getting a ticket because you're doing 109 and it's 630 in the morning. It's 630 in the morning. You're not affecting anyone. Yeah. It's not a school zone. It's not anything like that. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the people I have no patience for, this, this isn't one of those situations. The people I have no patience for are the guys who say, hey, I was only doing 60 in a school zone. You're yeah. only doing 60. Nobody cares that about that. Really, gets under my skin. And as far as I'm concerned, as you say, throw the book, you know, charge him two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, whatever it is, uh to keep Elmo from behaving like an idiot. But a hundred nine on the ring road, especially in non-rush times, in my humble opinion, is no big deal. And and it does it does jack up the base. And I'd probably be part of the base if someone gave me a choice of Yes, photo radar, no photo radar, especially on those roads. Well, what would you say? I'd probably vote no. You would say no. no.
0: And so here's what here's what I think is like the, to, to bring this full circle on the ring road yeah. conversation. Nice. Um, I, I would just say that I wonder if there was an affiliation, if there were political parties represented at the municipal level, if yeah. the provincial government might be more inclined to play nicer with those cities you know like right now there's whether or not they'll say it I mean you know the, the cities will come in here and say no we're working on a positive relationship with the province and the province will say we want to work with the cities but but not really uh, they both want to ensure their own political survival and the province has way more opportunities to screw the cities than the city has the opportunity to hold the province to the fire and I just wonder if there were political parties represented, Uh, And and then you'd have to obviously say, well, which political parties are represented, right? Do they align? Is it a conservative government, conservative municipal government, or vice versa with the NDs? But I wonder if things like this photo radar ban would be less of a story because the funding flow would be a lot more healthy, a lot more equitable, a lot more dependable. um, And and this would be less of an issue. The cities right now have their backs against a wall. They they don't know what they're going to do about this.
4: If we're just talking power, pure power, cities would have more power if political parties ran city governments. There's there's no two ways about that. And let me ask you this, okay, so you're observing Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Can you honestly say the city of Edmonton is more likely to have a UCP government? I'm talking about political parties now backing people running for city council. Can you honestly say that it's more likely that the uh, the party that uh, won power citywide would be UCP as opposed to NDP? Because if that's the case, that's news to me and that's news to my ears. I don't know why a, a, a city that is dominated by the NDP uh, at uh, provincial election time would be dominated by the UCP. Uh, during a municipal election, that that doesn't make all that much sense.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would say dominated, but, but I would say that there's something happening in Edmonton right now. I can feel it. Anybody here can feel it. There's major dissatisfaction with this council. Uh, most people... And I've never seen this before uh, in my 20 years living in this city. Most people... Don't know the name of their councilor. Most people don't know the name of their wards anymore with the name changes. But they don't know the name of their counselors. They don't know what their counselors working on or what the priorities are. They don't really know what this council's all about. You know, with previous mayors, at least you knew. Like at least you know, and that's where people got their nicknames, right? Like like you'd have yeah. like Don Iveson, All of his nicknames had to do with bike lanes. And before him, <laughs> you know, before him, Stephen Mandel was accused, and and I, and I love Stephen Mandel, but but he was accused by some of like you know looking after his friends. And Stephen Mandel, there yeah. was. Nepotism at play because of the big arena deal, but what was Mandel known for? Mandel was known for paving the way to get that arena district done, yeah. which basically yeah. is on its way to saving Edmonton's downtown. Fingers crossed. And so he, if was, you, a big, he was a
4: big picture guy. So if you but, were to you say, "What's So Sohe all like
0: about?" What's he all about? I mean, I, I and I don't mean to, I'm about to say something that could come across the wrong way. I have a huge amount of respect for this and it's important. And, and, and Mayor, as a person of color, obviously you understand why he's prioritizing things like uh, addressing racism and making meaningful progress on some of these social issues. Those are obviously important. But if you talk to anybody in the business community, you talk to any entrepreneurs, uh, nobody, uh, except for maybe a very few that I've never heard from, Uh, has any confidence that this municipal government's looking after them. So if you have no proof of performance after four years, then the dynamic of a council that, that generally leaned a little bit more left could dramatically change. Because as you and I just talked about, as Jennifer Rice, this who, who, two years ago, was elected as a city councilor, it's because she had people that organized, organized effectively, and made it happen. And it's not that hard to do.
4: Well, Ryan, look, uh, you were making the point earlier that I thought was most salient. It was something we got into earlier. Low turnout. Okay. who are these people and how many people voted for them and who voted? I mean, that changes dramatically with a party system. Parties have get out the vote machines. Okay. when you hear the term go TV, that's what it stands for. It's It's not a TV channel. It's called get out the vote and parties will get out the vote and parties will put out a platform. And parties will have, in general, more power dealing with the other party in the provincial system. Whether it's the NDP or the UCP, it doesn't doesn't matter. They will have more clout with the provincial government than the system you have right now. And as far as social and economic, I think one thing that people who are focused exclusively in in the social area don't understand is that the best social program is a stronger economy. And uh, whether it's a mayor or, or... or a premier, or frankly, the prime minister, when you lose sight of how important it is to have a thriving economy and just focus on social issues and social discrepancies and social progress and all of that. God bless all this social stuff. But I'm just telling you that we don't achieve anything socially unless we're prosperous economically. And I don't mind saying that. And it's not because I'm a small C conservative, and it's not because I'm a small business person, and it's not because I'm from a small business, family business family, and it's not because I'm on with Ryan Jesperson, who I share similar values with. But I think most people at the end of the trail can admit that countries, societies, cities with stronger economies have a bigger opportunity to have good social programs. Unless you have prosperity, it's very difficult to have a prosperous social safety net. You want to have a strong social safety net? Get yourself a strong economy, and you're on the way.
0: I totally agree. Uh, Kimberly says, I had so much hope for Calgary's city council, but I'm so disappointed in them after the arena deal. Um, if people missed our episode with Jeremy Klazes, uh editor-in-chief, publisher of The Sprawl, I uh, encourage you to check it out. Johnny, I think the thumbnail is the Calgary Arena deal explained. Um, Jeremy does a great uh, job on that, breaking it down and, and what people were so discouraged about. Basically, the fact that Calgary, the city, ends up paying three times more than it would have two years ago. Um, we've got some good comments here as well. Like Alberta Girl says, Edmonton's council inherited a mess from the previous councils. I mean, maybe but they're making many of their own messes, Alberta girl, um, and says the arena deal, Edmonton's arena deal, is not saving downtown. Um, you know, look at some of the social issues around there. It's true. But imagine Edmonton's downtown without the arena. Imagine Edmonton's downtown without the towers, without the new infrastructure. I mean, it would, it would. It, like, I'm not even joking. I think there were literal tumbleweeds on the north I mean, end you're of Edmonton I mean, It was a disaster. I, I, it,
4: no, I've been there, done that. Edmonton's downtown before all this business about the arena. And I I am sorry that you can't have success without some people making money. Okay. It happens. Okay. It's one of the one of the byproducts of success. And Edmonton's downtown is a massive success story. Edmonton's downtown was circling the drain. Okay. It was it was in horrible shape. There was no excuse for it when you consider the brain power. And the technological power and the business power in Edmonton, Edmonton's downtown was being abandoned and Edmonton's downtown was saved. Is it perfect? Of course not. But I can't imagine Ryan Jesperson having his show in downtown Edmonton right now,
0: if downtown Edmonton was in the shape it was in 20 years ago, we wouldn't be here. You're 100% right. We wouldn't be here. Chuck, can you stay for a few more minutes? I want to get into these, these federal polling numbers, but first I want to remind everybody about Athabasca University. Maybe you're listening to this show right now and you're feeling inspired to get more involved, to get more engaged. Athabasca University guarantees there is a program there for you. They're Canada's open university. Literally tens of thousands of Canadians trust AU with their post-secondary journey. World-class accredited online degrees and courses designed so you can complete your education wherever and whenever it works for you. So whether it's a a program you want to level up your understanding of AI or or maybe prepare for a career in HR. Heck, maybe you want to go earn your MBA. You can open your options with online offerings at Athabasca University. Find them online today at AthabascaU.ca As we near the end of the month, this is your friendly reminder that the first of every month is 15% off at Freezing Brothers. That's right, family owned. For more than 65 years, Friesen Brothers understands what family life is all about, and that includes trying to stretch your dollars as far as they can go. I want to encourage you to check out their website, Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N. Go to the flyer dropdown and check out the Family Essentials Flyer. Quality low food for low prices every single day including recipes. That's what I love about it. Slow cooker recipes, recipes for your smoker, recipes for those of you who love braising your proteins. Whatever it is, there's something for you. Easy family meal solutions at Friesen Brothers. Our friends at Complete Care Restoration want to remind you that they're about more than just fire and flood restoration, though that's obviously how they've built their name over the last 10 years. If you have a construction project, maybe a renovation, an office that you're looking at maybe converting to residences to help address Canada's housing crisis, Complete Care Restoration is up for the job. You can trust their team of talented, certified professionals. We recommend them based on our first-hand experience. You can find Complete Care Restoration online by visiting the Sponsors tab on our website or give them a call at 780-454-0776. And if your home improvement is looking more to the outside, then you're going to want to make sure you make contact with Eden Landscaping over these next couple of months. You want to guarantee shovels in the ground in spring? You want to get the design process with Mike and his team started now? You can check out their services by visiting their website, landscapeedmonton.ca. Whatever your vision, they will execute it with precise attention to detail. Full-service landscaping from excavation through to the finished project, edible garden boxes, excavation, hardscapes, beautiful retaining walls, outdoor kitchens, water features, they do it all. You can find Eden Landscaping again online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Hanging out with Charles Adler as we do the first episode of every week. And I uh, wanted to wrap with this because I'm always curious to know you know, what we read into polling. People say, well, polling, who cares about polling? But this is pretty remarkable. Uh, this week's Nanos poll shows that the federal liberals are on pace to lose more than 100 seats, Charles. The conservatives on pace to gain more than 90 of them. And at the end of the day, if there were an election held today, you'd find the liberals almost fighting for that bronze medal. What a fall from grace that would be! <laughs> My God,
4: uh, you know there are t- two um, provinces that I always look at outside of Alberta because uh, Alberta is a- is a lock for the uh, for the conservatives. So there's two provinces I look at where the liberals have to do very well in order to uh, to win, and those two provinces are Ontario and British Columbia in ontario which has over 100 seats the liberals are barely into double digits according to the latest uh, nano's poll barely into double digits this is a place where they have to win well over 50 seats to have power Um, they're at number 12. i mean that's just amazing in british columbia it's even more humiliating one seat one seat in all of bc so yeah there's a, a chance if there was an election today that the Liberals would not even finish number two, they'd be in number three place, and people go, well, they've never been that bad. Actually, they were, and they were that bad just before Justin Trudeau was made the leader, because uh, if if people uh, recall, Thomas Mulcair was uh, seen as the guy who had a good chance of defeating Harper. Many people, when the election was called by Stephen Harper, thought Thomas Mulcair would end up being prime minister, and uh, very few at that time thought Justin Trudeau could, because how often does a party go from number three to number one? And the answer is never. Justin Trudeau pulled off what some people thought was a a miracle. So uh, are the liberals like the the salmon going back to where it all began, you know, swimming upstream back to where they were born? Um, Are the liberals salmon right now? That's what Nanos is telling you.
0: Yeah, And, and I think you're alluding to this, but we all know how it ends for the salmon after they spawn, right? Uh, they don't yeah, go back out um, to the ocean. No. It's a,
4: it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a sacrifice they make for just a few moments of pleasure. But that's the way life is.
0: Yeah, salmon aren't alone in that often, you know. But uh, well, it's, it's got it's people. It's, it's, it's a, it's a life lesson. Yeah, and... it's got people wondering if, if Trudeau maybe, you know, considers stepping down and triggering a leadership race, uh, so the Liberals are better positioned. Uh, for a federal mm-hmm. election that could come in two years, but everything that you hear from anybody close to the prime minister or anybody that believes that they know how he's wired politically suggests that he wants to go head to head against Poliev in yeah, an election. He really he wants, he wants, time. He wants
4: this fight. Uh, Sheer was boring for him. Aaron O'Toole was boring for him. Uh, you know, the Stephen Harper thing was the last one that was exciting. So he hasn't, he hasn't had uh, what he thinks of as a, a really worthy opponent, a strong opponent, and he likes fighting. He he actually loves boxing. I know that people don't perceive the guy that way because he's perceived as a wishy-washy, squishy, lefty, blah, 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 Uh blah. But I'm just talking about the real human being here, politics aside. Uh, So he is a fighter. He sees himself as the best fighter in the ring, and he really wants to beat Pierre Polyev. He wants that. Just in terms of, you know, we were talking about testosterone on the, on the ring road, on the Anthony Hende. Uh He's on the Anthony Henday, and his testosterone says, I've got to knock out Pierre Polyev. And believe it or not, folks, the stronger the polls look for the conservatives, the weaker the liberals look, the more testosterone Justin Trudeau has for this next contest.
0: You can follow Charles Adler on Twitter at Charles Adler and make sure you subscribe to his podcast, The Charles Adler Show. Always great to connect with you, pal. We'll see you again in a week. And, and thank you for not
4: rejecting my pedestrian view of most things and, and, and the way I give you the visuals that nobody can ever forget, even if they... Really, desperately want to.
0: What did you say? Something fast enough to review the tape faster than a number two through a goose. That was that was that was today's highlight for me. <laughs> that was pretty. Good. I love geese. Yeah, I love geese. I guess, bud. We'll talk to you soon, pal. There he is, Charles Adler, right here, only on Real Talk.
2: Always a pleasure.
0: Do you? I I don't I don't I don't think that the speeding thing is just. Like I'd, I'd be curious to know, do do men speed more than women? I don't know, Pro- maybe probably. I don't know if I'd one hundred percent attribute it to testosterone. I think that inattention can be part of it. You don't realize mm. that you're speeding. I think part of it could be just you're moving with traffic. I think part of it could be, uh, and this is not an excuse. Don't ever try to tell this to a police officer. You're not going to. But could just be that you're in a hurry.
2: <laughs> oh, could, I was just going to say, know? I think women, and this is just my opinion, the ones I know tend to be more punctual. Whereas guys are like, you know, wake up late and, you know, throw stuff up. Like, we're talking about us two in the room right now. If I'm getting a speeding ticket, it's probably because I'm trying to get... It's not because I got a lead foot. Yeah. It's because I'm trying to get somewhere on time, right? Yeah, Um, I think mine's inattention.
0: Yeah. To be honest, which is is why I'm saying... And depending on the vehicle, and this, is everyone's going to say like this is like making excuses hour or something like that. It's not, but <laughs> but, but but for me, if you're getting, and this is what annoys me about these photo radar tickets, mm. if it's you know through the city, let's say it's a speed zone sixty. Sure. If I'm going eighty-five, pull me over one hundred percent. But if I'm getting a photo radar ticket for going sixty-seven in a sixty, depending on the vehicle, no, no. That, that could be that could be a two millimeters on the gas pedal that, over the course of ten seconds. That like can't a, happen, though. You I know th- what th- I mean? I
2: think it's I think it's nine. No, it's not true. Yeah, I think it's nine. No, that's it's got to be percentage points.
0: No, man, you've yeah. seen the tickets that I've been paying. They're ridiculous. You get jokes. seven over? No. Yeah, way. man. On a, in a 60, 100%. percent. Wow. I've had I've, I've had photo had radar that. tickets in a sixty zone for going under seventy. And that's ridiculous. Like, to me, that's just... Oh. And, and but, but listen, they don't need to make friends. Mm. That's fine. Uh, I'm just, you know, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's too bad that the municipalities are going to have to, I don't know what they're going to do. Property tax increases, people better be bracing. I mean, I feel like if your property taxes go up by 6 or 7%, I feel like you're getting off lucky. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of communities that are going to see, and we talked to counselors. There is a loss here. These conversations have been off the record, but we've talked to counselors that say we're working so hard to keep the increases in single digits because a Mm double-digit increase is like political suicide. I wanted to touch on something else, by the way, and I I wanted to note that I saw this comment. Where did it go? There was somebody in the chat that was kind of chirping me and. And I'm and I'm happy to address it. It was David. Um, David says. David says uh, I had made some comment. I think it was Alberta girl that made a comment about how said like Edmonton's downtown has been a nightmare. The arena didn't save it. And then I said, due to a lot of the social issues, which was my comment. And, and David says, LOL at how Ryan wouldn't use the word homeless. Uh, Alberta Girl had said, because of the homeless. Uh, David said some of the social issues. David goes on to say some of those social issues have tried to stab me twice. Um, David, I've had a knife pulled on me downtown as well. Uh, It's scary as hell. I will say this. The reason why I don't just say put a target on the homeless uh, is because it's not the homeless that are contributing to the problems downtown. It's a lack of resources for people. It's a a lack of infrastructure for people that are trying to get their lives on track. There's a lot of people that are really struggling. There's a lot of gang activity happening downtown right Mm -hmm. now. The drug trade is thriving downtown. There's a lot of violence. This is not being perpetrated specifically by, quote, the homeless. No. Uh, There's a lot more going on, and I think it's a bit of a lazy characterization to say Edmonton's downtown is fucked because of The homeless, there's a lot more to it than that. The the homeless population or people experiencing houselessness, however you want to refer to it, is a symptom. It's not the cause. Mm -hmm. It's not the root cause. And so that's why I made my comment and I'm I'm more than happy to address it. Yeah.
2: And we're talking like any large city. It's the same thing. You've got social issues downtown. And we're talking about Edmonton where population growing, downtown starting to thrive more, more people going downtown, obviously crime, drug addiction. Uh, violence all of that is going to increase uh, but back to the tickets it's just it's a big loss because and i know the municipalities like they don't want to ticket people but we're talking about 170 million dollars in edmonton alone 22 23 that could be cut drastically like just with the ring road thing it could be cut in half right so 60 percent of that goes to the government 40 percent goes to the city right huh. uh, so that's a lot of money being lost yeah. you want to talk about these ai sports illustrated can you believe no, that look,
0: I, we're we're actually working on a feature segment about it we're gonna, we're going to do a whole interview on it but why why don't we you want to tee it up right Let's now just
2: touch on this, it this this is this is, is pretty crazy. wild
0: so futurism uh, you can check out futurism.com uh, reporting on this this month sports illustrated which is like i don't know if if si is still a thing um, but I remember when I was growing up. Like, did you subscribe? I remember subscribing to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure my the, the swimsuit edition always went missing. Curiously, <laughs> it never never arrived. I, I don't know. That was weird. But but before but,
2: Maxim, it was the mag. It was the guys, mag. Yeah.
0: But Sports like SI was the mag mm-hmm. for sports. Yeah. And I remember reading like you know Rick Riley and all these guys, and I mean just amazing, right? But but Futurism is reporting that Sports Illustrated has been publishing articles by fake AI-generated writers. Uh, And so reads the subheader. They asked them about it, and SI deleted everything. Now, get this, Johnny. It's not just that the articles are being written by AI. They made fake
2: people. They made fake So I found a profile. This this is the one that got them caught. So this guy, Drew Ortiz, who did a bunch of articles on a bunch of different things, somebody just started looking for him. He wasn't on social media. Couldn't find him on Facebook. No LinkedIn account no other bios anywhere else if you're a writer usually you find a paper trail right where they went to school something right nothing so this drew ortiz guy they're saying even the picture might be ai generated no
0: not a, they not might be it is ai generated uh, they yeah. found they found that that profile photo is for sale on a website that sells headshots oh where this headshot, the so-called Mr. Ortiz is described as a quote, neutral white young adult male with short brown hair and blue eyes. <laughs> it's just, and we were talking, this is called lying. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, I, I can't like, I, I know there's a squeeze on media right now and you're trying to save money, but this is absolutely ridiculous. And we were talking about AI yesterday and the squeeze that it could make. And I, I, I was reading an article yesterday, and people are saying just get on board, like learn about AI, AI, learn how to use it, and hopefully in the future, if there is AI taking over stuff, we're the ones regulating it and using it, right? Because I, we were talking about this yesterday. Like, I think as a DJ, honestly, I think in the next three to five years, I'm not joking, fifty percent of my business, yeah. I, ho- I hope to God I'm not DJing in five years, please Ryan, but is is going to be gone because of AI already. You've got people who want to save money at wedding and corporate who are going the route, and not a lot, maybe 10%. They'll play a Spotify playlist. Yeah. They'll put all their favorite songs on there and they'll play it and they'll go up to an iPad I don't blame them. and they'll skip around. Just wait till you can just put in, hey, a mood or a genre at a certain time and an AI DJ will mix for you. I think a lot of people are going to jump on that to save a buck. And I know that they, like an AI generated DJ, We'll never be able to read a crowd and, and switch it quickly. But if you want to save, you know, if if it's the cost between a $2,000 DJ and 200 bucks for AI, I think I you're going to go that route.
0: I would say the number one benefit probably of the AI DJ is you're not going to get slapped when you request Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> would you agree? <laughs> You're not getting slapped in the face by the AI DJ when you request "Cotton Eye Joe." We're we're gonna we're gonna do we're working on a, a segment right now. It's probably coming Great. up next week, but we'll let you know um, uh, about this. AI in journalism, which is, I, I mean, it's a hell of a thing. It's 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 absolute dishonesty from SI. Let's be honest, they're lying. Um, but also, people are using AI in different areas where you might not, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, mm-hmm. people are getting AI. It's, I, I saw this thing um, uh, according to sort of a headhunter agency that 30% of people, up to 30% of people right now, are having AI basically write their cover letters and yeah. put their resumes together. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Exactly. If it can do a better job than you can, do, you give it all
2: your info and they. Put it eloquently. Why yeah, not? Right. Yeah.
0: As a matter of fact, do we reveal now? That, <laughs> we've we, is we've now messed when we around reveal, with it. Um, none, of, none of our opinions today are ours. We had AI write this entire show, <laughs> and which is why I was especially amazed that AI came with number two through a goose yeah. for Charles Adler. But he read, yeah. the, he read the script beautifully. <laughs> he read it beautifully.
2: But we've messed around with it. It's just scary when you get into, like, I think education is the big one where, like, I don't think people are going to be putting in the effort as much when they're writing essays, when they're completing their studies. I think they'll be like, hey, I sat through the classes. I'm going to input all the info in here. Here's my thesis. Here's my essay handed in kind of thing. And I think that might – what was that movie where everyone was dumb? In the future. Oh, I don't and, know. And they started watering the plants with Gatorade. Like, everyone was just stupid because computers were doing everything for them. I feel like that's the route we're going. It, re- it
0: reminds me, and, and you can search our archives for this. I, d- I don't have it off the top of my head, but remember we interviewed Edward Tien. Yeah. I think it was, was it last February? Last April? I don't know. It was, it was, was like li- 20 or but, something? But he was a, he's a, a young Canadian. He's like 22 or something. He's a student at Princeton. He's from Toronto, student at Princeton. He developed an app that is allowing and, and assisting post like professors teachers assistants TAs um to detect AI to detect chat gpt in essays and so he's wow. like he's using ai to counter ai i mean this guy's brilliant you know when you talk but to somebody and you're just like you are going to be filthy stinking rich <laughs> yeah. i remember talking to him and thinking that but but they need that because you you know you're right i mean i remember you know as a procrastinator myself staying up burning the midnight oil burning the 5 a.m oil during university trying yeah. to finish these 12 page papers you can have chat gpt bang out a 12 page paper in 12 seconds it's crazy it's absolutely it's wild crazy. but
2: we do need that we we do need some kind of regulation that that kid was awesome and and yeah that's yeah, good that, that's Tien.
0: Gonna um you know what we'll do we'll track it down i'll put it this way um because we're doing this live uh we'll put the edward tn interview on real talk in the show notes so if you're listening to this on the podcast thank you very much for being here if you're watching this later on youtube just check out the show notes and you'll be able to link to that interview fascinating insights on countering detecting and countering ai every week Right at the outset, our first episode, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy give us uh, the opportunity to focus on a positive story, to basically harness positive energy and re- re- you know renew our faith in humanity. It's positive reflections presented by Kubi Energy, and this one is submitted to us from Jillian. Jillian sent us a note. Uh, she follows us on Instagram at Real Talk RJ. Thanks, Jill. And she said, "Have you ever heard about Helga Stencil?" And the answer at that time was no. Uh, we had not. heard heard of the artist based in London in England Um, but once we checked out her Instagram at helga.stencil we were blown away she used among many other things one of her just absolute crowning achievements as an artist is using laundry to create scapes of humans animals and other scenes and she is so talented if you're listening on the podcast uh, let me just say you got to go check out her instagram if you're watching this on youtube you can see for yourself i love how the creative mind works look at this the way that she uses laundry to create faces on buildings the way that she makes animals appear out of nowhere on clothing lines a sloth a sloth out of a hoodie and some clothespins. Amazing. And this one was my personal favorite. I love that. Of course. Hey, that cow. <laughs> Moving image by Helga Stenzel. Absolutely brilliant stuff. You know, she was named back in 2020 the food art creator of the year. So her talents extend beyond these clothing lines. Uh, but I encourage you to check her out. Give her a follow on Instagram at helga.stencil. And thanks to Jillian for passing this along. You were right, Jill. She said, I think it'll put a smile on your face. It sure did. And now I got to do follow on Instagram. Make sure you follow us on Insta, on TikTok, on Twitter. And of course, thanks for making sure that you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts on youtube as well you can get a free solar quote at kubieenergy.ca and if you have a positive reflection it could be anything that made you happy anything that filled your cup send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com just punch positive reflections into the subject line coming up on tomorrow's show we're going to learn a little bit more about heat pumps could they be a legitimate solution could they make energy costs drop could they get us closer to net zero on the prairies we'll find out from somebody in the business and then coming up later this week more news of the day including a look at ai like we just said we'll keep you posted on stories to come thanks for being part of this episode of real talk
1: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Derlego, Human Resources Lena Shefford. Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supreme Dubetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola.